Welcome to the FitMind Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Joy, certified personal trainer, fitness nutrition specialist, and mindset junkie. In this podcast, I'll be bringing you episodes that will help you get out of your own head to start seeing the change you want in your fitness journey and in the rest of your life. Because when you shape your mind, you shape your life. Now, let's get into today's episode. My friend Beth joins me for this episode to share her journey with tackling childhood cancer with her son Jackson and how mindset has played a huge role for her, her marriage, and for Jackson and how he's fed off of her energy. She is one of my biggest inspirations with her positive mindset and outlook, and I know her journey and her story is going to be an inspiration for you as well. Enjoy. Hey Beth, welcome to the show. Thanks. I couldn't wait to have you on because your story and mindset along with it are truly inspiring. So why don't we start off with you kind of introducing yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name is Beth Corbeau and I am a wife, a mom, a business owner, and I am also Mrs. Buxton. Yes. So Beth is actually competing with me um, slash not really with me because we're in two separate divisions and Beth is in the Mrs. Division. I am in the Miss Division, but we are competing together in the Miss and Mrs. for America pageants very soon. Actually, by this recording, it might be that week or even um, have gone by already. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that's super exciting. And you also have a son, Jackson. So tell us about Jackson. Sure. So Jackson is two. He's actually going to be three in three weeks. And um, he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia last October. So he was your normal, everyday two-year-old, maybe a little higher energy level. (laughs) Um, But And he still is a normal, everyday two-year-old, almost three-year-old, but with a little bit of a journey over the last seven months. So walk us through that journey and starting with the diagnosis and how you got that. Sure. So looking back now, there were definitely some signs, but as a parent, you would never think to think that your child has cancer. Uh, Through the end of last summer, the end of August, beginning of September, he was getting sent home from school a lot with low-grade fevers. He was having a lot of night sweating, but he also is a really high-energy child that tends to be really sweaty and messy to begin with. So I didn't put a lot of thought into that. And then he was just a little bit off, a little low-energy, we went to the, his PCP multiple times. He had multiple ear infection diagnosis. Um, we went on. We ended up going on a cruise at the end of September, and just the entire cruise, he slept a ton. And it, my husband and I just kept looking at each other, like, "This is so odd. Maybe he just really needed the break." Um, but in early October, it was actually Columbus Day weekend. My husband and I were in a wedding. Um, up at Sebago Lake. And so Jackson went to go stay with my parents. And when I dropped him off on Friday afternoon, he had another low grade fever, but it didn't think anything of it. It was 99. It wasn't too bad. He seemed to be feeling pretty good. He was fine on Friday night. And then Saturday morning, my parents took him to Storyland in New Hampshire. And he, they went in and he rode the train and then looked at them and told them that he wanted to go home. So that was a big signal for them that he really wasn't feeling good. By the time that they got home in that evening, he had a 104 degree 
fever. So they took him into the first care that's near our home. Um, and they just diagnosed him with another ear infection, sent him home with some antibiotics. Matt, my husband and I talked to him on the phone, seemed like he was going to be fine. And then the antibiotics would just help him get over it yet again. So the next day we headed home from the wedding that we were at and he was still 104 degree fever, completely lethargic, just laying around, just did not feel well. It was a Sunday. So um, we decided to see, he, he hadn't been on the antibiotics for quite 24 hours. So the doctor oncologist asked us to continue with the antibiotics and monitor him. So Monday morning, he still had the high fever and was so lethargic that he couldn't even lift up a cup to drink water. So I called the PCP again and they wanted me to wait another 12 hours on the antibiotics. And I, I was, I just had this gut feeling that it wasn't helping and something was wrong. And so I said, either I'm coming in to see you guys or I'm going in to see to the, e I'm bringing him to the ER. So they told me to put him in the car and head over and our PCP didn't even take a full step into the room before he said, you're going off to the hospital. He's completely pale. I think that he's anemic, which it would explain the low energy levels and his coloring. So we went to the ER um, at Main Med and they had already called ahead. So we went directly into a room and they did a CBC immediately within a half hour, I would say the CBC came back that his red blood cells were extremely low and that he was in fact anemic. So they immediately started transfusing him. So he received his first of what would become many blood transfusions at that point while they did an extended CBC, which I don't remember the exact name of the, the whole palette that they did, but, um, they did like indicate a little bit that they felt something didn't come back quite right and they wanted to double check things. So in a child Jackson's size, it takes four hours to get a transfusion because they have to give it to their body so slowly. Mm -hmm. So we assumed that it would be another couple of hours. My husband actually wasn't there. He uh, was at his own doctor's appointment that I had encouraged him not to cancel because it had um, been on the books for a while. And so five hours later, when he walked into the room, um, within a, about 20 minutes, a team of doctors came in and I kind of, the second they walked in, I was like, okay, there's more than just the ER doctor that we've been seeing. And he introduced a pediatric oncologist to us. And obviously everybody knows what the word oncology indicates. And I just, all I remember about that moment is the room got really, really small. I got really sweaty and really hot and I don't remember anything that she said to us. So uh, they were really great. They spoke with us in that room for an extended period of time because they obviously had to repeat things quite a few times. Um, and they said that they suspected that Jackson either had a type of genetic anemia that if he had, uh, it's called aplastia anemia, he would have for the rest of his life or that he had childhood leukemia. And the only way to find out and get a true diagnosis was to have a bone marrow biopsy. 
but he was not strong enough to have a bone marrow biopsy. His platelet levels and his red blood cell levels were too low to go through that. So over the next 24 hours, we were checked into Barbara Bush and he received two more red blood cell transfusions and one platelet transfusion and then also another platelet transfusion as they were putting him under the next day to have the bone marrow biopsy, which is a pretty invasive procedure um, and pretty painful procedure. So a child Jackson, some people, they just numb adults. They just numb in the back area, but for children, um, because they have to be so accurate and it can be so painful, they put them fully under. Mm -hmm. So he underwent that procedure and it took about 24 hours for the results of that to come back. Meanwhile, we are still um, at Barbara Bush and he received another couple of transfusions over that 24 hours to keep his blood levels high enough. And on October 10th at three o'clock in the afternoon, we sat down with his team of doctors and they confirmed that he did in fact have um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia and that it's considered there's a couple different types that you can have and Jackson has B cell. Um, and they reassured us that um, the prognosis for children Jackson's age is really good. They don't stage childhood cancer. It's based off of um, your results after your first month of treatment and how much uh, cancer cells you still have in your body after that first month of treatment, which is called induction, and as well as your genetic makeup. So Jackson ends up falling in the standard risk category, which is good. Um, but they laid out what the treatment plan would kind of look like. And for boys at Jackson's age, the treatment plan is about two and a half to three years of chemo. So we go through different cycles, and sometimes it will be um, – more chemo, like more times in a month, and eventually we will um, get down to just being once a month. But it will be two and a half to three years of treatment. Holy moly, <laughs> that is quite is quite the journey. Just even the whole beginning process of what you had to go through. And how far into treatment are you right now? We are seven months in. It'll be well. It'll be seven months next weekend. So. Mm -hmm. And when you're getting all this information, like you said, when the room kind of went small and you're, you get that tunnel vision, other than that, like what is going through your mind through this whole process? Are you setting yourself up with certain like mindset things for this? Or is that something that kind of came later? Because seeing your journey and how you've gone through it, the stance that you've taken with your mindset and the positivity and everything is really incredible. And when all of this is happening, like in the beginning, is there anything that you're doing? Or are you just trying to go through the motions and kind of survive this? That first 48 hours that we had to wait from when we were in the ER and they confirmed that something was definitely wrong, but we needed a diagnosis to when we actually got the diagnosis. I definitely played the horrible game of Google and WebMD, which definitely is, they tell you not to, and they tell you not to for a reason, because that sends you down a, a, a dark hole, and it, it doesn't set you up for success or thinking positively about anything. Mm -hmm. So those first few days, it was really difficult not to focus on the negative and what could be, and 
what happens if we get this diagnosis. My main concern when it was confirmed and we were in the room with this team of doctors was what his life would look like over the three years of treatment and then beyond because pumping that kind of chemical into a child's body for three years has a a high risk of long-term effect. So I just wanted them to lay out all the information. I'm the kind of person that I, I want to know all of the possibilities and, and everything that they know I want to know. And then I want to be able to have the time to sit with it and think about it and do my own research and that sort of thing. And they were really great right from the get-go. They provided us with they came into the room with books for us and obviously paperwork and stuff like that. But they, we sat there for over an hour while they laid out the timeline and what things were going to look like for Jackson. So. And that's good that they've had that much help for support and everything that they gave you. Um, what would you say now that you've gotten past kind of that first initial shock and, uh, absorbing all the information, what do you think are some practices that has helped you kind of focus on the right things and help Jackson focus on the right things? Sure. So luckily I am a big personal development junkie to begin with. And I have been for the last few years of my life. So I after becoming a mom, I don't read any longer, but I listen to books and I listen to podcasts. That's my version of reading while I'm driving in the car or um, while I'm getting ready in the morning and taking a shower and stuff like that. So I already had that background to lean on and lean into and knew the types of things that help me like regain a positive mindset when going through something negative. So I instantly leaned into podcasts that I often listen to or books that I like to listen to. And I did pull out a few books that I read um, sometimes when I, I need a little bit of a reminder. So that was really helpful. And then I um, am a big believer in, what you say to yourself is what you believe. And so one of my big things was just reminding myself that we're in control of, it doesn't, when I feel out of control of a situation is when I start to spiral and medically we couldn't be in control of anything for Jackson. And it often still feels that way because we are on other people's schedules for his appointments and his treatment and honestly on the schedule of his own body and how his body is feeling for all of that. So those things make me feel really out of control. So I try to take into control the things that I have control over, which is the thoughts that I'm putting in my head, the things that I'm choosing to think about and research or any of those types of things. So I really try to focus on what I can control. I love that controlling the controllables could, because there are so many things that we can't control that we try to, and then it's just overwhelming and stressful. And I can only imagine being in that situation and wanting to control all the things that you can't, how much extra pressure it would put on you. Yeah. So like, obviously we can't control his diagnosis and we can't control the treatment plan and we can't be in control of 
the outcome of all of this, but we can be in control of how we think about it and what we choose to focus on. There's so many negatives that we can focus on. So many people are constantly asking us like, what are the side effects and what are the long-term side effects? And while we've educated ourselves on all of that, because we feel the need to be prepared, that's not our focus. Mm -hmm. Focus on where we're at right now and how we're handling the, the month. So Jackson's treatments come in month cycles. So how we're handling this month, how his numbers are this month and what we can control in this environment in this treatment cycle. Yeah, onward and upward type of thing. Yeah. I love If I focus that. on what he could face at 10 years old because of the side effects of chemo, I'm just going to get inundated and overwhelmed with all of that negativity and information. And honestly, like it's, it's not going to make it so that I can get through what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like being present has really been a big part of it too. Yeah. And I'm sure that helps with Jackson as well. And I know it does. He is still vibrant in this um, amazing little guy. And I want you to share some things that you do with him to help him stay focused on the positive or how he feeds off of your mindset and your energy, because I know he does. Sure. So in the beginning, I definitely felt like, I mean, as a parent hearing these things, that your child has cancer and what they're going to have to go through and everything like that. It's really hard not to have a lot of anxiety and be really nervous. And I could instantly see while we were still in the hospital that Jackson was just always nervous, always on high alert. His anxiety was really high. And as we transitioned to coming home and this whole process becoming part of our daily lives, taking medications, being accessed through a port, getting medication, having to go to clinic weekly, having to have a nurse come into our home weekly or more to administer medication or take blood work. It can be really stressful and really nerve wracking. And I learned that the more I could calm myself and not have anxiety and not um, feel nervous and the more I could prepare myself, the more Jackson fed off of that positive energy and the less anxiety that he had about meeting new people who were touching him and prodding him and poking him about being accessed. And we call it to be having to be put in and all and having to take medication. So Jackson, they call him a little phenomenon because he too, and he takes all of his medications by pill. And it's just what works for him. We tried a whole bunch of different things and people, and I finally, I advocated for doing that versus the liquids. A lot of the liquids taste horrible. Um, they smell horrible, to be honest. Like, <laughs> and, um, they warned us that it's really difficult and kids don't like taking them. And I said, you know, if they come in pill form, can we try them in pill form? And I got, I mean, he's too young. I don't think that's going to work. And I just said, I can't. I can make it work. I know that we can make it work. And so they let us try and Jackson takes every single medication by pill form, which is amazing. And we don't go through the struggle of the bad tastes and having to fight about it and stuff like that. He's amazing about it. So I I think a big part of it too, is probably the way you kind of took control of it and was like, we're doing this and, you know, had that positive mindset with him too. Yeah. Yeah. 
walk us through the story about getting his haircut because I think this is a great little story about how the way you look at things can make a really big difference because obviously the way that you've approached everything has totally rubbed off on him. And I love this story. I'd love for you to share it. Sure. So we went through a little over four months without Jackson losing his hair, which I'm so thankful for those four months because hair is definitely, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it, there's such a, a difference between looking at your child. Like it, it almost felt like I would look at him and almost forget for a moment for a little while. So we were definitely dreading this day from the beginning, but so four months in, he started waking up in the middle of the night and he'd be like, mama, I, I have cat hair in my mouth. I, the cat must've gotten in my room. And I, I was like, Jackson, it's not cat hair, but it's okay. And so that happened a couple nights in a row. And finally I was like, Jackson, it's not cat hair. It's your own hair. Some of the medicine makes your hair fall out. And so the next morning we sat down and talked about it. And I was like, you know, we could go to the hairdresser and they could cut your hair and make it so that you don't have any hair and then your hair won't fall off and it won't get in your mouth. And he was like, okay. So we prepared for it and everything. We headed off to the salon and he sat in the chair and he watched a video. He was fantastic the whole time. He giggled because it tickled. <laughs> and as we um, got down and we were walking up to the desk to pay, he turned around and told the stylist, thank you. You helped me feel better. And just the whole the whole salon just melted and but he said it so matter-of-factly turned right back around and walked right back towards the door like he just felt better and we went out to lunch and he took his hat off when we sat down and he's like you like my haircut and <laughs> the next time he and when he saw my husband he took his hat off and said daddy you like my haircut and he was just comp instantly confident about it mm-hmm what a little man. I love that story. It gives me goosebumps, but it just goes to show the way you look at things and like, it just makes all the difference in the energy that he's fed off of from you and from Matt. What are things that you and Matt do together that help you stay focused and help you kind of work together going through this? Yeah. So I think that we, um, had a really great benefit in that we already engage in marriage counseling. Um, so that's something that we've continued through this diagnosis. You're making decisions that in fact affect your entire life. And, it, and honestly, oftentimes the rest of your life in these moments of making medical decisions for your children. And it can be really stressful. And I think that just having a place to go where we can talk openly, and we can do that in our marriage, in our house, um, but sometimes it helps to have a third party and a third party view. So we already had that um, background. We just believe in that it helps us and it helps us talk through things to go see a marriage counselor and get advice on how to deal with stressful situations. So I think that was really beneficial. And then the other thing that we're really lucky about is that we have a really great support system. Our parents um, are always willing to help us with Jackson. So we try to still keep, or we do still keep a weekly date night sometimes on the weekend as well. We try to spend one-on-one -on -one time together. 
as much as possible still to, because if our marriage isn't strong, we're not going to be strong as a family. Our marriage is the foundation of this family and we need to continue to build that foundation and to keep it strong in order to work through all of these strong emotions and decisions that we're having to make for our son. So that's really important. And then I think we're really great at teaming up and giving each other um, time to do things on our own as well. We both try to do things on our own. We both golf or participate in a sport that gets us out with friends or um, doing something for a couple of hours that allows us to take our mind off of the situation that can sometimes be stressful at home. And we're really great at supporting our, each other and encouraging each other to do those things. I think that's a great point and not even something that I even thought about is how important it must be to still get out, have a regular life and be with friends and go do those things that you might not feel like you have the time to do or um, feel like, you know, your priorities are somewhere else, but that's also something that's really important to stay sane and get you through this. Yeah, it really is. In the beginning when Jackson was going through the first month of treatment, it was really intense. Most of it we spent in the hospital and it got really overwhelming to talk sickness and talk and be so like surrounded by it all the time and right then we realized like if we're going to be we're we have a long haul ahead this is not a few weeks or a few months of treatment this is years of treatment and if we're going to survive this for the long run then we need to take care of ourselves as well and we need to figure out individually what that means for each of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. Um, I'm just trying to like absorb everything that you just went over. It's really nuts uh, what you've been through, how you are finding the things that are really important and what helps because it can be so easy to get sucked into the things that you don't necessarily want to think about or um, all the negative things, but here you are finding out what's working for you, focusing on still living that regular life and making sure that it's still an important part of your life, doing all these things like going out and seeing friends, golfing still, because, you know, you still have to do those things and still have to kind of step away from everything that's going on. Right. Um, this is definitely like, it's become our new life, but it doesn't have to be our whole life. And, and the same goes for Jackson. It doesn't, this diagnosis doesn't have to define him or become his whole life. This is our new normal. And these are the new normal things that we do, but we still try to, we had to pull him out of school, um, which was really heartbreaking because he loves school and his friends there. And we've tried to keep in touch. He, um, FaceTimes with his class every week and different friends. We have playdates with different friends from school as much as possible. And he goes, he still participates in a bowling league on the weekends and people with other children who have been diagnosed have asked like, how do you keep that normalcy or even people that don't have children that have cancer. And I'm, I just, 
we can't, yes, I'm scared of bringing him out in public and him catching something a hundred percent, but I can't keep him cooped up at home and not interacting with other people because that's not healthy either. So there are things that we can do to protect him, but still be able to go do fun things or go do normal life things like go to the grocery store. I walk around with, uh, massive package of Clorox bleach wipes in my purse and just think I wipe things down like crazy. Anytime we sit down at a restaurant, I wipe the chairs down, the table down, everything. And there are just steps that we can take to continue to protect him, but to continue to allow him to live and thrive too. I think that is so awesome and so important too, that you're doing what you can to keep him living a normal life because he's still just a normal kid. So I love that you're doing that with him and all of the positive energy that you're feeding him and what you're doing. I'm just super inspired by you and how you've taken this head on and continue to focus on what you're focused on. But I know that there are probably times too that stuff gets to you. So like, do you still have those moments? Definitely. I mean, um, like I said, one of my, um, one of my biggest things that is that I hate not being in control. And a lot of times we're on other people's schedules. And one of my biggest pet peeves is schedule changes, last minute schedule changes, which happens in my opinion, far too often, especially with like home nursing and stuff like that. And I, those kinds of things can throw me off for a whole day. And then I find myself going down the, the spiral of, why is this happening to us? Why do we have to deal with this? Or this, we're going to have to, this is something we have to think about for the rest of our lives and stuff like that. And it's okay to get upset, get angry, but I just don't let myself stay there. I might spend a few hours there. I might spend a day in that mindset and then I figure out what I need to get myself out of it, whether it's a hitting the gym really hard or listening to two hours worth of a book or a podcast or going for a run or going out to dinner and sitting at a table by myself or with my family, whatever I need to get myself out of that mindset. I just know I can't sit there. That's not going to do us any good. It's not Mm going to get anywhere. That is a point that I think anyone can take and use is it's okay to feel those feelings. It's okay to get sad, get frustrated, have the why me mentality for a hot second. Like you're human, it's going to happen, but you don't have to stay there. And that is key. So I love that. Really, I'm speechless for what you've been going through and how you've been tackling it, like head on. Um, It's super inspiring. And I think a great reminder to everyone listening that no matter what you face in your life, you You have the power to choose how you see it and how you react to it or how you work with it. And that's kind of what you said early on too. It's like how you choose to see it. Right. Life is going to, no matter who you are, like it might not be childhood cancer, but life is going to throw you curveballs. It's going to throw you hard times. And one thing that I try to remind myself all the time um, is um, something that I read a while ago. It's, these mountains that you're carrying around, you weren't meant to carry, you were meant to climb them. And so it's, it's inevitable. Everybody faces difficult times. It's just a matter of what you're doing now to prepare yourself for those 
things? Are you doing personal development? Are you teaching yourself how to be positive? Because when that hard time comes, you have to make a conscious decision about what you're going to do, how you're going to handle it, and what type of mindset that you're going to take. And if you've been training yourself and you've been working on your mindset and your positivity and things like that, the decision to choose positivity and to choose to tackle it and to choose to climb the mountain rather than carry it is going to be easier than if you're not doing those things. Not only is it going to be easier, it's going to make the whole experience a night and day difference. Right. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think that mindset is something that no matter if you're going through something right now or not, it's a key piece of your life and something that you should be working on. We spend so much time with nutrition and exercise, which is very, very important. But mindset is no matter what you're dealing with in your life, that's what's going to make the whole experience different for you or could potentially. So love that. So what are some things that you would, or any advice that you'd give other moms or anyone really in general when they're facing a trying time? Um, I would say, especially other moms as moms, I, I feel like even as women, um, but especially as moms, we have such a hard time asking for help or admitting that we need help. And I am definitely was definitely that kind of person, but I've learned that I can't do it all on, on my own. I can't do everything on my own. I need to lean into my support system. I need to lean into the people who are there and willing to help and wanting to help. So don't do it all. Don't think you need to do it all. Don't let the news feed that is all the moms who feed their kids Pinterest worthy meals and have a clean house and do this and do that. Um, Don't let that get in your head because it's just a highlight reel and not, there's no mom out there that's feeding their kid healthy meals, has a clean house, is hitting the gym, and isn't still yelling at their child. (laughs) (laughs) So just remember that everybody's human and try not to get too caught up in the highlight reel. I think that's one of the things that can be really difficult, especially when you're facing something like I am. Um, I sometimes catch myself feeling like, oh, I wish my life was normal again, or I wish... Jackson could be normal again. He is normal. Like we just once a week have to go have a little abnormality. Um, (laughs) And so I think that reminding myself that everybody has their challenges and everybody faces challenges is helpful. Thank you for listening to the fit mind. If you found this or any of the other episodes helpful, please take a minute to share this podcast with a friend or leave a five-star review. It only takes a minute and is a huge help for me and helps support the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening in. I'll catch you on the next episode.